2: Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating.
3: Welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast where we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. My name is Chad Ozy. I am joined by Jeff Cross. How are we doing today, Jeff? I'm
2: good. I'm very, very good. Thank you for asking. Uh, I am... I haven't told you this yet, okay? But I'm in the middle of another book,
3: okay? And
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna mess up. I want to make wait, sure wait,
3: reading or writing?
2: No, 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 I'm not. I writing. mean,
3: you are a published author, so that's an okay <laughs> thing for me to ask.
2: That is an okay thing to ask. So, um, I, I'm just trying to think if there's a lesser term besides published author. But yeah, right, I am a published author. Uh, so anyway, I'm I'm reading this book called Performance Under Pressure. Okay. And it's a rather long book um, and it's interesting how um, there's some things that you can do like there's scientific things you can do when you know pressure is coming mm-hmm. you know and then and I thought there was it was one thing that they talked about where you can relieve some pressure if you just so if you're right-handed just before the pressure moment happens, just like either you know you have put those stress balls in your hand yeah. right you can either squeeze in your opposite dominant hand. Okay. So if you don't have the ball, you just squeeze your hand like you know three or four times sure. before that pressure moment happens. And then I found myself doing it in my game on on Sunday. Okay, now it wasn't a big pressure moment, sure, but it's the end of the game, so I you know had like maybe two minutes to go. You know this is going to be the last push for the for the other team. And during the timeout, I found myself just doing that, and I don't know if it helped, but we had a situation where. Um, I had to make a pressure decision, and not necessary live action pressure decision. It was a decision where whether or not subs can come in, but we had stopped the game for stopping the, for the cause the clock didn't stop, and we brought and they wanted to bring subs in, and I'm like handle that real good, you know, and not not that I wouldn't have done that before, sure, but it felt good to know that I was prepared for that pressure moment. So I think it's um, you know, if anybody's looking for a book to read, I would uh, I would I would recommend. Uh, let me give you the, the name of it again because I always forget the name of it. Performing Under Pressure. It's All a right. rather long book. And who wrote great. that book? Um, yeah, I don't know. This guy right here. This guy or girl. Um, so it's Dr. Hendre Wingsinger and J.P. Paulin. So it's uh, The Science of Doing Your Best. When it matters most,
3: mm, I like People, it. Yeah. And you know, as sports officials, we we want to be at our best mm-hmm. uh, when it matters most. Um, you know, I had the absolute joy this past uh, Saturday of being at the NCAA baseball mm. clinic. Yeah, and uh, for those of you um, on the on the basketball side, our our baseball clinic looks really similar. The basketball clinic, you know, there's four of them that are offered around the nation. Uh, Most people show up on Friday night, and that's when you go out to dinner with people and you know you get your flight in or whatever. And then on Saturday, it's all day meetings. It's a little different on the baseball side because we have lots of conference meetings that go on during the day as well. So there were conference meetings uh, for different conferences starting as early as 7 o'clock So the Saturday. day before of the meeting? Of the day of the meeting. So
2: you have the NCAA meeting and conference meetings all on the same day?
3: All on the same day. Interesting.
2: Yep. Yeah, that is a little different.
3: Yeah, so like at 7 o'clock in the morning, uh, there was a, a MAC conference meeting, for instance. Mm-hmm. At 7 o'clock in the morning, there was a uh juco naia d3 meeting that happened Mm. um for one of the uh assigner groups that's out there and so you meet together and you know the for those conferences go over some some key information for the year maybe they're doing stuff a little different uh all the the basketball people will get a real kick out of this but the the baseball guys are really worried because they're using two different assigning platforms this year. <laughs> they're using both Arbiter and RefQuest. Oh no. The and Panamonium. so they have to like cancel out dates mm. on the other assigning software. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, the reason I joke about that obviously because there are some basketball officials using upwards of 7 or 8 different assigning softwares. Mm. And so you get a game, you got to go into seven other th- places and close yeah. it out. And the baseball guys are freaking out they got to go into one other place <laughs> and close it out but it, but again think about that if you've never done it before mm-hmm. then that's it's new it's intimidating it's different mm-hmm. you know and so um that's that's a step in the process that they're having to learn and and do that and uh, you know then we go into the actual meeting meeting starts at 8 30 you know you break for lunch at 11 30 you've been you know watching videos and hearing presentations and looking at new rules and all that all morning you go you grab some lunch and uh, i was very thankful to get to grab lunch with a couple guys uh, from illinois uh, that work college baseball one of them is brand new to college baseball and so really fun to see him at his first meeting Mm. and then uh, we come back for meetings throughout the rest of the afternoon. When that's done, then you've got more conference meetings, and the air. some of those conference meetings happened at lunch, so oh, you know, it was kind of like a working, working lunch, lunch yeah. you know, for some of those. There's mm-hmm. more that happened afterwards. There was a D two D three meeting afterwards with those national coordinators giving information, and and it's always great to get the information when we go to these things. But I was reminded uh, on Saturday that this was the first in person. NCAA baseball clinic that we've had in four years. Yeah, because mm-hmm. of COVID, because of all that stuff, and I, I will tell you, I prefer for the clinic, I prefer an online clinic. Mm-hmm. But man, do I love getting to see people in one place. Yeah, you know, I I think we actually we make better use of our time. <laughs> And we get more accomplished with an online clinic. Mm-hmm. Sure, I just I really think we do. I think we're more attuned to is this content necessary at this moment, all that kind of thing. But you just can't replace being in the same spot with people and saying hi and giving them a handshake, giving them a hug. Um, you know, I I got to see people that. Uh, you know, maybe I'll see this upcoming season. Maybe I won't. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if it weren't for a meeting like this, I might not have had the opportunity to, to see them. I got to see some of my friends from the Kansas City area that, uh, you know, Chicago's the the one they come into. I don't come in the night ahead of time yeah. because there's no need for me mm-hmm. to, you know. I mm-hmm. live an hour and a half away from where the, the site was at. And so I just drive up that morning. I, I left my house at 4.30 in the morning to make sure I got there in plenty of time. and <clears throat> And things were good. But there is something that is so significant about that human connection. And at the end of the day, we were there to learn rules. At the Mm -hmm. end of the day, we were there to look at the new protocols for the year and all that kind of stuff. For those of you in baseball, 22 rule changes this year. Not all of them directly affect us because some Mm -hmm. of them are about field and all that kind of thing. But uh, 22 rule changes. There's some... Some protocols from COVID that we've now carried over as just our actual rule. Mm-hmm. Coaches don't get to come storm out to the home plate and mm-hmm. kick dirt on us anymore because they got to stay outside the dirt circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, little things like that that uh, that are, are are good for us to know. But it was a great reminder to me that the human connection is, at least for me, why I do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, pe- people can say all day. Well, I do this because I want to give back to the game. I do this because I love the game. I do. There is a there is a percentage for me that has something to do with that. But I'm telling you, if I didn't get that human interaction, I would not do it just for the love of the game or just to give something back to the game.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, we're social creatures. If, you know, I even find myself going, man, I, what, what would I do if I didn't have a job that involved talking to other people?
3: Mm.
2: What would I do if I had the cubicle mm-hmm. and all I did was email and text people? I never had to speak to an actual person, didn't have a phone at my desk, just email me. What would I do? I think I would go bonkers. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to interact with other people. I... uh I would agree that probably a big majority of the reason, at least, you know, as you said, you did, and probably the reason I am in in officiating is because I do get a chance to interact with other people. And for me, I want to have an impact in the people that I talk to. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to do that. And I can do that through officiating, whether that be the locker room attendant, whether that be... um, the starting guard for the fifth year, the fifth year senior at a school that I've been going to for the past 20 years, mm-hmm. or the coach that I've had since they've got their first division one coaching job. I want to be able to have impact or maybe even my partners. Right. Um, but I think we have the, we have the ability to have an impact on others just because we don't work with them. Um, i.e. Other umpires or other basketball referees doesn't mean we don't have an opportunity to impact others. in mm-hmm. um, just a couple of short stories in my trips this weekend um, I I was waiting at the gate to get on a plane and I saw a guy reading a book this place is crowded right this place is it's, it's a full flight and I'm just standing there kind of waiting our turn to get on right and I this this gentleman stood out to me because in a sea of people he was the only one reading a book a paper book so he's just reading this book. And it had an orange cover on it. And he was reading the book and I and you know, every once in a while he'd just look up, see what's going on around him, you know, just and he'd go back to reading, go back to reading. So I was I was intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. So and I heard somewhere, I forget what it was, podcast or something that, you know, you should challenge yourself to talk to three different people every day. Okay. Not the same people, just to, you know, kind of get yourself a little bit more extroverted. So I went up and when I got in line, he was still in his chair and I said what book are you reading, man? And he showed me what book he was reading. I'm like, yeah, I heard that's a really good book. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that on my to do list or whatever. So yeah, I think you really like it. La la. Well, lo and behold, guess where he ends up sitting? <laughs> right next to me. So we we had just a short conversation back and forth about what books I'm reading, what books he's reading, the reason he was a young kid, 25 years old, mm-hmm. you know, works for a construction company. We 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 often think, okay, now construction guy, is just gonna be, you know, give me my hammer, I'm gonna go. But you know, he was obviously somewhere in the offices or something, but he was a 25 year old kid. that was worried about continuing his education and continuing his, his ability to, to uh, handle what the world has given him. And I thought that was pretty impressive because so many times we, we talk about this. We think the younger generation is, you know, lazy and you know, all these things, but this kid proved to me and just in the 10 minutes I talked to him that he's not. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty cool to be able to have that engagement and, you know he doesn't probably doesn't realize it, but he had an impact on me, and I'm hoping that maybe I had a little impact on him. So that was a cool thing, right? Yep. And then uh, another conversation I had this week, which I thought was interesting too, and it kind of made me smile, and it you know made this other gentleman talking to us. So I was coming home that that weekend, and I think I typically always stop at the our local gas station and get my Polar Pop. <laughs> right, we're gonna hear the rattle there. Get my polar pop because it's. I'm getting home around ten o'clock, so I've got another hour or so of whatever reports and stuff. And the the, the gentleman behind the counter goes, you know, how, how's your day going? i that pretty good? You know, the end of it, you know, just I just got back from. I've been gone all weekend, Minneapolis and Nashville. Now I'm home. He goes, Oh, you're a truck driver. Mm. I said, Well, no, you know, because mm-hmm. what do you do if you don't mind me asking? And I said, I'm an NCAA basketball referee and he just stopped because first of all n- not a whole lot of people say that as sure. a, as a job yeah. truck driver made more sense sure this guy was this guy don't know me from Adam and he was just he was like like super excited to be able to say, I had a conversation because I love basketball. He said, you know, that's really cool. Good on you, you know, and that's, I don't mean to hold you up, but you know, do you travel a lot? And you know, he was, it was very inquisitive. Sure. I had a chance to make an impact on him as an NCAA referee, just by having that small five minute conversation. So we have those opportunities. A lot of times we ignore those opportunities because we got our head down. Here's my credit card. I'm leaving, right? Be approachable and have those opportunities to impact others that's why I officiate.
3: Yeah, you know, <clears throat> you you made the comment you, you wouldn't want to just be in the cubicle the whole time. And the truth is we probably have some of our uh, our listeners who are sports officials who would be totally content working in the cubicle all day. Sure. Like mm-hmm. that's that's part of their makeup. They you know, they're, they're driven, that kind of thing. Uh, the other day, my son was was not feeling especially well. Uh, and so he was sitting at home during the day. He had the day off, uh, off classes and that kind of thing. And he's sitting there and he, you know, he's not feeling well when he doesn't want control of the TV remote. Hmm. Right. That's the, that's the key. And I had, I had gone home for lunch and I kind of knew, knew that he wasn't doing that great. so I'm like, you know, I'm going to take an extended lunch today. I'm just going to go hang out with my son for an hour and a half or so. So I go home, I grab the remote and I flipped through Netflix or Hulu or whatever, you know, one happened to be up there, and the movie Office Space was up. Mm. And for those of you that haven't seen Office Space, go find it now. Go I'm watch raising, it. I'm
2: raising my hand. I've never seen <clears> it.
3: It's phenomenal. I've heard it's really good. It's, uh, it's it's great movie it's very dry it's very different and it was done a long time ago and so normally you know my son if any if it's more than five years old he's not interested you know it's not new enough with enough explosions and flash (laughs) and special effects you know and this one but it's this it's this guy who he's he's so sick of just going through every day and not feeling like he's making a difference Mm -hmm. and not feeling like anybody's paying attention and feeling micromanaged and Having to deal with new cover sheets for the TPS reports and all these fun things that some people that know the show will be uh, quite aware of, <laughs> and what was so interesting to me as I, as I thought about that, you know, I, I think it's easy for us as referees, as umpires, as sports officials in general, to feel like we're just a part of the machine. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't find tons of accolades in what we do yeah. except from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we go, we leave the court that night and they could care less who the three names were that were just on the floor. They've forgotten about us the moment that we're off the court. And sometimes when we find ourselves in a situation like that, it's it's really difficult then to do the job to the best of our ability. And um, you know, I'm, I'm at a place in my career where I work across multiple levels. You know, last night I worked a junior college basketball game, you know. Um, today I'm working D3. Later this workout week I'm working D2, you know. So I, I work across a lot of different levels. <clears throat> and so because of that, I see people. There are some of the people that I work with that are just junior college officials. Mm-hmm. And so when they get to a junior college game, they are so excited to be at that junior college game because for them, that's the big check of the week.
2: Mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, that's the, that's the, the big excitement because they're working a college game that night. Mm-hmm. I work with other officials that only work D3 and JUCO. And so when they're on the JUCO game, oh, okay, I've been here. I've done this before D3, man, that's where I'm focused. You know, same thing as you move up fifty two. But what's interesting is, you know, when the, you then see people work up and down, mm-hmm. right? And so when somebody just goes through the motions, kind of like the person in the cubicle, mm-hmm. just going through the motions of doing the minimum amount of reports, the minimum minimum amount of stuff so that the supervisor doesn't get upset or whatever, when it's just about doing that, then there's no way that job is fulfilling. Right. It's just not. And so, um, you know, we've, we've said that we want to be uncommon. We want to be uncommon in the way we officiate. But more than that, we want to be uncommon in the way that we live. You know, I think your example there of having that conversation in the airport, that's very uncommon today. People mm-hmm. get freaked out when strangers talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and so then we think, oh, well, then I don't want to be the stranger talking. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because that's just a, it's a weird thing. So, so let me ask you this. When you get to the point of the season where it's so easy just to be like, okay, well, this is the grind. Mm -hmm. It's another day. Mm -hmm. It's another game. It's another day. It's another game. What do you do so that it's not just another day, another game? Yeah.
2: I mean, because that truly happens to Mm -hmm. a lot of people. Sure. Myself included. Um, But the last few years, um, I found myself, the best way for me to combat that is don't talk to other people that are just handling like it's another day, another grind. They may be close friends of yours, but you may have to limit that those conversations with those people. For me, you know, that's we we talked about Christmas with me, right? It's like mm-hmm. a big release for me, and I and when I get done doing a game, I get to focus on something else that is exciting to me. And when I get into the the Januarys and the Februarys of the season, it you know another game, another grind, more grind. Well what else can i can i focus on that's not going to get me here i go refereeing again and that's where my books come in handy you know i, I read these exciting books that are that are going to help me be a better 70 year old person and i'm i'm working on that now so i get excited about those things so and then maybe i could take it into the locker room you know mm-hmm. and I, I feel like i've said it on this podcast before but you i'll say it again you know this year i there's three things i tell people Listen, we get to referee the, the game we love with the people we love.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: People don't walk into the cubicle and say that. Yeah, We have to remember that. and We also have, because I said it on Sunday, you know, and it, I wasn't the crew chief, but I, you know, I like to share it with, and they go, okay, yeah, I, I can go down with that. But you can tell they were thinking,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I don't always love everyone. Yeah. And that's probably true. Yep. But you may love more, some people more than others, but you love them all. Because they are going through the same thing that you've gone through, that night, that afternoon, that year. So we get the referee the game we love with the people we love, and I think that's important to, to remember, especially when it comes to the grind. Yep. And when we when we get to grinding, we gotta find releases. We gotta find different things. Whether it's a golf cart ride for me, whether it's a you know a dinner for me. I had dinner with some friends last night. We never once talked about refereeing. Mm -hmm. my my friends never asked where am I going next because they were just, they were just happy to be, you know, with each other and just visit with each other and talk about family and, and, and things like that. Opposed to when we get in that grind, that's what, that's what humans do. Right? like, how's work? Oh, it's terrible. Oh, it's this, it's that. Right. Well, we never talked about it once and it made me feel great. You know, little kids around got to play with little kids. All those things happened. So I don't have to. So when I go back to work, it's not as much of a grind. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that's that's re- that's really where I come in at.
3: No, it does. And you know, I was told a couple of years ago, I was working a game in late January, early February, and one of my partners had been on a stretch of like nine straight days without a day off. Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to say it was a junior college game we were working that night, and the crew chief said something really impressive to me. He looked at the other official and said. And don't you feel so fortunate that we're working games the second half of the season?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: You know, and, and what he was saying by that is, you know, we've, we've talked about the the different seasons that happen within the season. You know, you got preseason, you got non-con season, you got conference, you got the turnaround in the conference, yeah. you got postseason. And, you know, we were kind of hitting turnaround in the conference time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what this crew chief was basically saying is, well, you know, it's easy to get that game in early November. Yeah. Hard to get that game in late January, early February. Yeah. Because that's, that's when, that's when it's all going to rise. You know, that's when assigners want to put their best officials on those games Mm -hmm. because this is where they mean something. Yeah. And that has really stuck with me uh, from the time that I heard that because, uh, and we've said it on the podcast, there are people out there that would give anything to be where you're at. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what the level is. That's right. You know, if if you're a Division One official that goes, oh, they threw me on a D2 game tonight. <laughs> Do you know how many people would love to be working your D2 game? Or, yeah. you know, if you're a Power 5 official, they got put on a game in the Summit. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, man, that checks half of what I get mm-hmm. someplace else. Do you know how many people would give their wife's pinky finger to go <laughs> work that Summit game? Right. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, seriously. Yeah. You know, how many how many people would love to be working that D2? How many people would love to be working that D3? How many people would love to be working that JUCO game? And let's take it all the way down. You know, I, you and I have a friend, Sam Nicholas.
2: Mm, yeah, Sammy.
3: Sam would give anything to be able to work a junior high basketball game he today.
2: Would lo- right, Exactly. Yep.
3: There is nothing that would thrill him more mm-hmm. than to get to be on a court. And physically, mm-hmm. because of, of his physical limitations right now, he could not get out and do that. Yep. And so no matter where you are at, there is somebody that would love to be there. Mm-hmm. And if we approach those assignments that we get with the fact that man, I, I need to work this with excellence, because somebody else would love to be here doing it. Mm-hmm. I think it can transform the way we approach mentally the game that we're going to do.
2: Well, and you know, I talk about leaving a legacy all the time. I don't want my legacy to be when they're at my funeral talking about, yeah, he was a good official, but he hated working in the summer league.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't want that. I have a chance to to impact people that I work with in summer league, just like when I first got in the Big Ten, people in the Big Ten had a chance to make an impact on me. That's our, that's our job. That's that's what we should be doing and what we should be thinking about daily. Because it can be a grind for others. And the, the best thing you can do is, I don't want to say take your mind off the grind, but understand what we're doing is we're very privileged to be able to do it. Yeah. We're very lucky. You know, this guy behind the gas station in Rowan Park thought I was some sort of superstar.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm just a Joe. You know, I'm just a Joe working that lives in a town of seven 800 people. That's all I am. But that we get so wrapped up in ourselves to go, oh, you know, I can't believe I got to drive four hours to a game and, you know, whatever, right? Whatever the mm-hmm. scenario is. When meanwhile, we should be like, yeah, I get to do it. I get yeah. to do it because, you know, I don't know the number. I, I'm guessing the number, whatever, a couple thousand Division One referees in the whole United States, in the whole country, I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool, and then when you get to grinding, whether you're a division three referee, well, guess what? You're one of three thousand, we'll say, or four thousand in the whole country. It's pretty cool. Yep. Not a whole lot of people can do it.
3: Yep. You know, at the baseball meetings this last week, I think the number that was thrown out was twenty two or twenty eight hundred registered umpires this year in college baseball. College baseball. Oh, the whole country. Yeah. How I mean, many people? How many that. people are in the country? I don't know.
2: Billions, right? Yeah. Billions in the United States. We're, we've got it down to 2,300. Now, granted, they're not all adults. Yeah. Whatever. Just say half of them are. You know, you're 2 billion instead of 4 billion. You're 23, you're one of 2,300. You know how small <laughs> the chances of that is?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And there's a lot of people that would love to do it, but don't have the courage to step out and do it. There's a lot of people that would love to do it, but don't have the physical ability to be able to do it. That's right. Maybe the mental of it. Every day, every game during the National Anthem, I thank God that they that he has given me the mental and physical ability to be able to do the game because so many people don't have that that opportunity. And, you know, it's not, it's not just physically, right? Mentally, too, because right? some people are perfectly great shape, but they're not mentally there to handle the scrutiny, to handle – the, the second guessing of the media or the coaches or, or the fans, so it's tough for them. So that's where, if you're able to get physically and mentally able to do it, you are in a small small number.
3: You're absolutely right. And you know, Jeff, you, you made a statement a little bit ago that I'm going to push back on because that's my job here. On right. the we have to push back in a while. So, all right. So you said we love everybody we work with. Right, there's some we may love more than others, sure. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, but many officials—I won't say all—many officials have been put on a game with somebody that they really struggle in their relationship with. Okay, okay. so I won't say hate, I won't mm-hmm. say dislike, whatever. But for whatever reason, there's a struggle there. In fact, I've had a couple conversations over the last uh, week where you know we're coming home from a game. And you get a call from somebody, you know, sometimes when you get that call, hey, we had this crazy play. Did we adjudicate the rule correctly? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, oh, you're not going to believe this. We went to double overtime and we had six advancements Mm -hmm. and it was a crazy atmosphere and it was so fun to work, whatever. Right. Well, I've had a few conversations this past week of officials that have had to deal with real struggle in their relationship with another official on the court. Okay. Okay more than just they don't click well together or whatever but like to the point that it makes it hard for this person to want to show up and work when they see that other person's name on the on the list Mm -hmm. you know what i mean you know I, i don't know if you've ever had experiences like that
0: this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine
3: in the past or whatever but do you have any words of wisdom for people that that are, are struggling with that maybe maybe they're driving to a game right now and they know that one of those partners they're going to be with is somebody that they struggle with when they hit the corner of the field
2: well yes I've we've all gone through that right and hmm. and I'll go back to what I said some some people we love more than others sure okay and um, this is this is kind of how I relate because it, it's our job. As humans to love others. That's what that's what we've been called to do. Doesn't mean we have to love them to the, you know, to the highest level where I'm gonna give you my inheritance, everyone sure. we know, right? But I, I think of it this way. Even the worst person that I've ever worked with, ever, and came to me in a hardship, I would never turn turn them away. Mhm. So that means it's my job to love them. Okay. So, unless this person is a person who is, you know, going through hardship and I'm going to sit in the corner and laugh, then I'm loving them. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't do that to anyone. Anyone who's struggling in any way, whether or not we agree on whether it's political issues or we agree on how to officiate a game, or we agree on how I advanced, it doesn't make a difference. I don't want anything bad to happen to them. They may want it to happen to me. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But that's on them, not me. So i that's the first thing I do is, listen, if something bad was to happen to this person, I would still feel love for them. I, I don't, wouldn't feel like, oh, you know, giddy and go, yeah, good, it happened. So that's where I go on that. And and. If you are really working with someone that is really difficult and it makes you're like, I do not, I'm, I'm dreading going, I want to be perfectly clear. It's two stinking hours. That's it.
3: Unless you're working a doubleheader on a baseball field, and then it may be eight. <laughs> yeah, it may be, right. but Or or a, a series weekend yeah. where you got to go spend three days with somebody. Yeah,
2: Okay, but I, I still think we sh- we need to narrow that down. Yeah. If if you're working a weekend, and let's just say it's two-person, which I don't know if there are weekends where there's just two-person, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm on the basis for a one-night-inning game and my partner's on the plate for a one night game, I don't have to talk to them for two hours.
3: Yep, it's true.
2: I get to talk to him before the game, after the game, maybe we get to discuss once or twice during a game for whatever ruling. That's it. So now it's not even two hours. It's like maybe in the pre-game, post-game, and during the game, forty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. So if it's really, really that difficult, now he's like, you know what? It's 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 an hour at the most. I can do this, and and I've said this before, and I, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little amped up, but I. When I see people that maybe I don't agree with or I just don't get along with, the first thing I do is make a mental note: don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't do what he or she is doing, because it's not a good look. It's not. It's not good. It's not who you want to be. It's not what your legacy. What you want your legacy to be. So if I can just you know take the the browbeating or whatever it is for a couple hours or an hour, then so be it. Everyone else is going to pass judgment however they want to pass it. But not you're not going to let someone that is, is difficult to work with affect my legacy.
3: Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that many of us, and I believe this is just human nature, is that when we don't know, we typically assume the worst. Oh, yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right? So if, if you and I were working a game, okay, and I know you and I have a relationship with you, and you're C in front of the coach, and I'm trail across. And I just had a really controversial call that that coach was upset with. Mm -hmm. And I see you over there talking to that coach. I have no doubt that you absolutely have my back in that conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not questioning it one bit. Now, let's say it's one of those officials like we were talking about. Let's say it's an official that, you know, i I think maybe does not have the purest of motives or mm-hmm. you know is difficult or whatever. And now I see them having that conversation. They could be having the exact same conversation that you would have, but in my mind, they're throwing me under the bus. Mm-hmm. In my mind, they're saying things about me. That's in right. my mind, they're whatever. Well, that's not on that official, that's on me. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that's placing that doubt there. That's exactly I'm right. the one that's creating. And what I'm doing is I'm creating tension with that person over something that I don't know is true or not.
2: That's right. I, I, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you. But I just had this conversation last week with a person who said, so-and-so doesn't like me. And mm-hmm. I said, did they tell you that? He goes, no, I just know it. I said, then that's you putting that in your head. Yeah. That's you. You're the one telling you that so-and-so doesn't like you. Well, I can just tell by how they answer my emails or whatever. So that's you, dude. That's it. So we are our own worst enemies. What you know? When you're in your own head, you're behind enemy lines. Yep. And that's exactly what happens. You know, we have to trust that that what we're doing is right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've talked about this before. You know, when I set my kids out of the house and they took off and 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 they're doing their own thing. And Jeannie would be worried, like, oh, you know, is my son getting in trouble? Is he? I said we have to trust what we've done for 18 years or 20 years that he's going to that he's adapted our policies, our rules and adapted our lifestyle to know that he it's not okay to go whatever, you know, mm-hmm. you know rob a grocery store or whatever. He he knows that cuz we've raised him in that way. So we need to do that. We we know our our inner um uh, scruples, I guess we'll call it, Mm -hmm. you know, we know what they are. We know what our scruples are. So don't fall into what you think they're doing to have us go down a a path we don't want to be
0: in.
3: Yeah. And you know, here's, here's a remarkable thought. And, and I, um, you know, I mean, I, I think many of us that have done this for more than a week, you know, have encountered an official that at least we struggle working with more than another. that can be for lots of different reasons sure you know here's something i'll say if if you take delight if somebody gets dropped from a conference then you are in the wrong amen okay now i don't care how many wrong things that other person did doesn't matter we should not take delight Mm. in somebody else dropping yep because that says more about us yep. than it does about them. Now, if their games come down and your games come up because you're doing things the right way, that, that's different. Mm-hmm. That's a totally. But when you delight that somebody gets dropped, gets fired, gets whatever, that's on you. Okay, and it's it's it's. Unfortunately, that's the common thing. Right. The common thing right now is to take delight when somebody else Faves. goes down, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. But the uncommon thing is when you have those nagging thoughts in the back of your mind that says, "Man, I just, I just don't think Jeff likes me." I mean, every time I take the court, I think he's frustrated. I think he's upset. Whatever. Every time I go work a baseball game with him, I feel like he's ignoring me. You know, he never wants to. You know, we're working a weekend together. He never wants to go have dinner afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, he just goes back to the hotel room or whatever. The uncommon thing is, knock, knock, knock. Hey, Jeff, you got a second?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: hey, Jeff, this is what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't want there to be an issue between us because we work together. I want us to be professional, be able to handle things the right way. And so I just I just wanted to ask, is, is what I'm feeling correct? Because mm-hmm. now you're not saying what they're doing. Right. You're saying what you're feeling.
2: Good point. Very good point.
3: You know, and Jeff might turn around to me and say, well, Chad, the reason I don't go out to dinner afterwards is because I am swamped at work mm-hmm. and I've been coming straight back to the hotel and doing this. Mm-hmm. Jeff might say, well, you know, Chad, I, I didn't really say this to anybody, but but I've been struggling with alcohol consumption mm-hmm. and I just don't want to go out to a place where I'd be tempted to grab something, especially right. on a weekend where I got mm-hmm. to work games Hey, Chad, that's not the case at all. I was going to be honest with you. If if I'm telling you the truth, I've I've been intimidated by what you've been doing out there. So Mm -hmm. I've just been trying to kind of like step back. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be one of a thousand different or or it could be, you know what? Yeah. You really ticked me off Mm -hmm. two years ago at that camp when you took my parking spot when (laughs) I was trying to get into the facility. Right. And you had no idea you'd even done it. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. But by having that face to face conversation now you get to you get to deal with it in an uncommon way, mm-hmm. you know, and and I, I believe it's it's the right way, you know. You just go direct to the person and yep. you have a conversation, and then even if you don't agree coming out of it, you're at least going to have better understanding of where they're coming from.
2: You know where both people stand. That's right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. You know, we we're too like. We're just overthinkers, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what the, that's what we do as humans. We overthink things. We over instead of paying attention to the important things. Like, hey, I am ment- mentally and physically able to do what I'm doing. That that beats all of it. Yeah. You know, that, I, my guess is, if uh, if if you had a problem with, let's well, just say, me on the court, and you'd be pretty frustrated about that. But then, as soon as uh, you were taking away the mental and physical physical ability to be able to do it, I would be the least of your worries. That's right. I would, they'd be like, I just want to get healthy again. And yep. you know, I've heard someone say, it, you know, people think they've got problems until their, their health is gone. Mm-hmm. And now they don't have any problems at all. they got one problem, yep. and that's trying to get healthy again. So, yeah, I agree. I think um, it, if we're not working on trying to improve what we are doing on a day-to-day basis, it can very much be a grind.
3: Mm-hmm. It can
2: very much be a mundane, boring thing that we do. But, you know, I, I took advantage of being in an airport with, with a bunch of people and talked to even if it was just one one person. I almost talked to another person because his bag said uh, Michigan baseball on it. Oh, okay. So I thought he was like a coach or a scout or whatever mm-hmm. it was. So I almost talked to him. But, you know, whatever. I felt the urge to talk to the other kid, yeah. maybe a little less intimidating, you know what I mean? Sure. Maybe a little less um, conflict of interest, whatever, yeah. however it turned out, right? But – yeah, I think that that's, that's what we need to do. I, you'll find great joy in it. I do anyway, of just learning something from a 25 year old kid. You know, he was talking to me about social media and and things like that, and you know how they're you know people are using TikTok just for a Google search now instead of Google. Mm-hmm. You know, that's right. all these things are happening, and I'm like, man, that's really impressive to to know those things. So, yeah. But
3: well, and then I think the next step out of this is you know we we have somebody maybe that there's a a difficult relationship with and and maybe it's a fellow official, maybe it's a coach, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. it's a a coach that every time you've shown up, Oh my gosh, like this is so hard. Every time I work with that coach, um, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. it's a player that there's been an issue with or whatever. Um, can I just suggest that one of the best things you can do is look for positive change Mm -hmm. and then recognize the positive change. Um, I, I am at the point in my career right now where, for whatever reason, uh, especially at the D three level and junior college level, I get put with really young officials. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go work a game tonight with two great young officials. You add their ages together, and I'm pretty sure they're my age. Which you <laughs> add their ages together, right? And I'm not old, old. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm middle aged. Mm-hmm. And I mean, these young 20 somethings, they're coming out and they can run like deer and they can do all this kind of stuff, you know. And one of the coolest things that I get the opportunity to do is to encourage those kinds of officials. I mean, to me, that's an absolute blast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, first time you work with an official like that and, and they just they won't communicate with the coach, save their life. And the next time you go out with them and you see there was this one time after this one call where they they really tried their best to communicate with the coach. And maybe it went horribly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. they tried. Well, guess what I'm immediately doing when we go in at halftime. And that was a great job of trying to communicate with that coach. Mm-hmm. Hey, I know they didn't receive the communication real well. Like, I know they were still really amped or whatever. But, man, way to do your job. Mm-hmm. You know, are there things we can do to help with that communication? You know, and then all of a sudden it opens the door. Well, you know, this is what I said. Is there something different I could have said? So, okay, well, all right. You know, then you work with them a month later and all of a sudden they're carrying on short conversations with coaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, how how cool to know that we're, we're seeing positive change, but the only way that that really sticks is if we acknowledge that positive change. Yep. You know, you got a partner that won't respond to your emails and, you know, you show up to the game and, okay, well, I'm glad you were here because, you know, you never responded to my email. <laughs> right. And the next time you send out an email, they respond 12 hours before game time instead of five days before when you sent the email. Hey, man, thanks so much for responding. Mm-hmm. That I, I, it, that took so much pressure off me knowing that you were going to be here ready to go. Right. And then the next time, well, they respond as soon as you send the email because there's been that positive mm-hmm. reinforcement you know you've talked about legacy that the the 20something officials right now they're the ones that are going to be carrying the legacy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you can write them off or you can help build them up yep and those really are your only two options
2: yep you know I, I when you talk about that how you just you know find the you know the the, the little bit of positive change in what they've done and I I remember Way back when my daughter was young, she was playing volleyball, she's in whatever fifth, sixth, seventh grade, something like that. And of course, they're just really learning bump, set, spike, right? Mm -hmm. And um, multiple kids would go up and try and spike the ball and hit it right in the net, you know, because they just couldn't jump over the net, so they didn't have their timing right. Well, I remember this clear as day for whatever reason, and I don't know why I said it, but when I said it, People around me thought that was good that I said it. Some kid goes to try and spike the ball and spikes it right. I mean, hits that ball as hard as she could, but right into the net. And I said, that's okay. Just keep swinging hard because that's what you're supposed to be doing, right? Mm-hmm. Don't micromanage. Hey, listen, you need to jump higher. You need to scoot back. You need to do all these things. Just keep swinging hard because that's what a spike is about. you got to swing hard, hit the ball hard, and eventually it will go over the net. And people around are like, that is a really good, you know, really good response to someone who just failed. Mm -hmm. And and that's what we need to do. That that official that is trying to communicate, hey, good job trying to communicate. That's what we that's what we're supposed to do. Sometimes our lines work, sometimes they don't. Yep. And um, sometimes we don't need to say anything at all. But when we when we do the things we're supposed to do, good job trying to do that. When we have a restricted area play. And it's a good job trying to get the look at the feet from mm-hmm. as an off official. It's a good job trying to do that. Whether we made it or not doesn't make a difference. The fact that we're trying it, we're understanding the system that we're supposed to be working—that's great, you know. Absolutely. When, and we talk about baseball. You know, that you want to get that when you're in the three-person. If we have a play at third, you want to try and get to where you're receiving that ball and the runner at the same time. Yep. What I would call second to third base extended, right? Yep. Well, even if you. If you get to that position and miss the call, you should still be congratulated for getting to the right spot. That's right. For doing the things that you're supposed to do. Eventually, all that will come together and you'll get those plays right. And then it'll feel good to be there. Because if you don't encourage that, you know what they're going to do? Go right back to what they were doing before. I'm just going to sit back and lob it over the net. And now, coach is not happy because we're not bump, set, spike in. We're bump, bump. We're bump, set, bump. You know, Mm -hmm. so we want to be bump, set, spike. And that's what we should be doing. We want to get third base extended, or I'm sorry, second to third base extended. We want to get in slot, I think you guys call that? Yep. Yeah, we want to get in that slot to see that play, or the wedge, or whatever. Yep. The wedge. So, um, see, I'm smart. I can get in that baseball. i <laughs> to go down. Um, that's, that's what we need to do. And you know, going backwards, that grind, if we notice those things, it becomes very much less of a grind. Because the people you were having an impact on are, are are making strides to help carry the legacy that you tried to do in 20 years of baseball or basketball, and now you're out of the game, and this person's carrying the legacy for you.
3: Yeah, you know it's it's interesting to me because as we as we talk about this, many of us still get stuck with the past. You said, you know we need to give this positive reinforcement. There there were a lot of us that were not raised with a lot of positive reinforcement. Sure, You know, the, the coaching style of the day when I was playing was a lot more Bobby Knight mm-hmm. than it was Mr. Rogers. Right. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, that's just the way that it was. Mm-hmm. And if you couldn't handle that style, you didn't survive on the team. Mm-hmm. We now live in a day and age where there's some people that still kind of from that style there's some people that are from a kinder gentler world style and a little bit of everybody in between but yet a lot of the experienced officials out there grew up in that more hard-nosed kind of environment yeah and so you know I can already hear some people kind of pushing back as they listen to this saying, well you know nobody did that for me you know I mean I I, I should not have to coddle these people Jeff mm-hmm Chad, I should not have to baby them, you know, whatever. Well, I'm reminded last night at the game, I called a very obvious foul. Shot clock's winding down. And with one second on the shot clock, girl puts up a desperation shot. And a girl from the defense comes in, just smacks the heck out of her arm as she releases the shot. Mm-hmm. Well, in my book, that's pretty easy call. Mm-hmm. I put air in the whistle. I put my fist up in the air. I go report it. And as I'm reporting it, the home coach is losing his mind at me. That's a horrible call. That's a bailout call. We can't make that. That's – I mean, just going on and on and on. She says she got all ball. Of course, you know, right? (laughs) You know, all that kind of stuff, whatever. So then I'm standing over there while we're shooting the free throws. And, of course, he's talking to his player but really talking to me. Sure. Well, you know, you know these guys, mm-hmm. these guys in this league, they're just going to call everything. Mm-hmm. Well, what he doesn't realize because he's only been at the junior college level for a few years and coached high school a long long time before that, what he doesn't realize is that as college basketball officials, they've asked us to call the rule book as written. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't get to decide. Well, that really didn't affect the shot. Mm-hmm. I don't have to put a whistle on that. Well, two hands on the ball handler dribbler, that's really not that big a deal. It didn't affect their rhythm, balance, Mm -hmm. speed, quickness. I I can just let that one go. No, in in our game, those are automatic fouls. Mm -hmm. And so what he's saying is, is that he doesn't want to adjust his interpretation of what the game should be. Mm -hmm. The problem is he's living and playing in a world where the interpretation has changed. Mm -hmm. And for some of us, we say we don't want to change the way we communicate. We don't want to change the way that we deal with newer, younger officials. The problem is, is that the game has changed. Mm -hmm. And whether we want to admit it or not, it has changed.
2: Yep. Well, and if you don't change, you will be on the outside looking in. Mm -hmm. Because right now, I mean, the message has been sent. This is the way we want the game called. This is the way we're going to call the game. If I want to work in this profession, it's no different if I was working in the, you know, the cubicle. And the boss says my cubicle has to, my desk has to face north. Even though I like to face south, I got to face it north. That's the way. Then the new boss comes in and says, hey, you can can face south if you want to. Then okay. Then that's fine. But right now, this is the way it is. And that's the way we should be doing it. And they want to try and fight. The change. hmm Coaches, officials, players. But it's not our job to fight what the change is. Yeah. You know, um, my, my mom and my mother-in-law didn't want to text. Mm-hmm. But they realized if they do text, they talk to their grandkids more. Mm they realized that talking to their grandkids was more important than the fact that they didn't want to text. If an official realizes, hey, I don't want to call hand checks, but if you don't, you don't want a referee. I want to referee more than I want to not call hand checks.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I remember uh, an official told me just just a few weeks ago, you know, she enjoys her, her paychecks more than she enjoys being right. Mm-hmm. You know, she gets a clip, you know, or whatever it is, and and maybe you know, there's a difference of opinion, but the boss says this is a, this is a foul, and no no whistles blown. She goes, hey, listen, I enjoy my paychecks way more than me having to be right on this one play. Yep. that means nothing to me, so I have to adjust, and, and that's what we need to do on a daily basis, whether it's communication, play calling, uh, or you
3: know, dealing oh, yeah. with partners. And you know, when it comes to dealing with both partners and coaches you know, I, I hear baseball umpires get upset because there was a day and age when a baseball umpire could kind of go toe-to-toe with a coach. Sure. Mm-hmm. And you could say whatever you wanted to say and deal with it. And it was kind of this gentleman's agreement that then when it was done, it was done. You mm-hmm. went back and you did your work. Well, that that doesn't happen anymore. Right. You just you can't do that. You can't say that. And I, uh, there there are... Officials that could lament that they could just be mad. Well, I just I, I wish it was the way that it used to be, mm-hmm. right? Well, but it's not the way it used to be. Right? It's just not dealing with these officials that that might be more of a struggle. You may say, okay, but I I don't want to have to hold their hand. I don't want to have to just give the positive reinforcement. I mean, why why can't they just pull their head out of their yeah. tail and do it the right <laughs> why, way? Why
2: can't they learn like I did? That's exactly. Right. <laughs> but
3: but that's that's not the way it is. Yeah. And if, if you, if your goal is, man, I want to have a great game on the court with these other two officials, then instead of making them conform to you, Mm -hmm. why don't you conform to them? The best teachers in the world, the best teachers in the world are the teachers that recognize the differences between their students and do what's necessary to help reach that Mm -hmm. student. Mm Um, In my day job, every single Sunday, I preach at two different churches. So I preach a a 930 service in a a very small rural community uh, with a church that uh, I'm the youngest person in the building most days.
2: Take it easy on this, Tom. This is where I grew up. That's right. It is. Okay.
3: (laughs) Now, the next place that I preach, I'm one of the oldest people in the room. Okay. So two very different generational groups. Even on Sundays when I am uh, preaching on the same thing, mm-hmm. my illustrations or stories are very different. Yeah. My illustrations at with the older congregation, I'm talking about grandkids. Whereas yeah. my illustration in the other church, I might be talking about my kids mm-hmm. because it, it's a different way for those people to think about the same thing. Yeah. And that's what we have to do. When when we are in these environments with these people, you know, the way that I'm going to have a conversation with you is different than the way I'm going to have a conversation with my 19-year-old son who's mm-hmm. just starting out officiating. Yeah. And we have to be adaptable to that. That's going to make us uncommon. The common thing is, this is the way I do it, deal with it. Mm-hmm. The uncommon thing is, I care more about our success together and I'm going to do whatever is necessary for us to be successful.
2: Well, it's knowing your audience, right? Yep. If I get up and and, and put in charge of teaching the alphabet, I can teach the alphabet to to a different set of group, a different group of people differently. Yeah. And if if my if that's how I'm judged on my success is when everyone walks out. If a hundred people walk out, and the highest percentage, you know, that's what we want. The highest percentage of people learn how to do the alphabet. Well, I got to do whatever I got to do. I can't just say this is the way I teach it. If you if you don't learn it, I don't know what to tell you. Yep. Well, the people that are in charge are gonna like. Listen, I know you taught it the best way you know how, but we only had thirty percent learn how to do the alphabet, so we're gonna find someone else. Yep. And we don't think like that. We just think this is the way I do it. It's the way I've been doing it for years. This is the way I'm gonna do it. And we went through that. I remember going through it distinctly with my family. I was like as I was younger. Seatbelt laws came into place, mm. and all. Every older generation person I spoke to said they're not going to make me wear my seatbelt. Everyone wears their seatbelt. They're not going to tell me I can't smoke in a building. Nobody smokes in a buildings anymore. So (laughs) you you figured out real quick that that's what we do as an older generation. Um, Even myself included, we tend to try and want to fight the change. Mm -hmm. But knowing if I really want to continue moving forward, I have to adapt the change and still be successful.
3: Absolutely. Well, I I hope this conversation has been helpful for you today, Uh, whether you're in the midst of a season or prepping for the next season or you're on your drive, having a little windshield time, getting ready to to hit the court tonight. Uh, Here's what would be helpful to us. If you have some ideas on ways that you're communicating, on ways that you're dealing with some of these situations that we talked about today, could you shoot us those ideas at UncommonDrivePodcast at gmail.com? Uh, It is so helpful to us as we get that feedback. Or if you have questions or thoughts for future episodes, we'd love to hear those as well as uh, we want the content that we deliver to you to be the content that you need uh, so that you can be uncommon in the way you live your life, in the way you lead others, in the way you leave a legacy to those that come behind you. Have a great week, everybody. See y'all. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating.